The Dramini Archives presents From the Start by Sweetest Sorrows Kachiko Summary In the years since leaving Hogwarts, Drake had become one of the most important people in Hermione's life. He is her business partner and her best friend, and she can't imagine life without him. However, when he proposes a temporary arrangement, one in which she would pretend to be his girlfriend, all the feelings Hermione has unconsciously suppressed finally surface. In an effort to help him, she agrees. Surely it shouldn't be that difficult to continue to ignore the rather painful fact that she's fancied her best friend for years. Her best friend drops into the seat across from her with a rather dramatic huff, stretching his long legs in front of him as Amali continues to read through the various reports she has littered across the desk. Several minutes pass with only his loud sighs interrupting the silence. Despite his antics, Hermione never looks up. When he's ready to say something, he will. And sure enough, just as the clock ticks past the hour, Draco breaks. I need your help, Granger, he says, instead of offering any sort of customary greeting. What is it now? she asks, her gaze fixed on the parchment in hand. Can you at least look at me? he whines. This is very important. Hermione highly doubts that. Although she and Draco were tentative friends during eighth year, a shared apprenticeship under the same master potioner and a subsequent joint business venture have led to a rather close relationship between the two of them. It's all strictly platonic, of course, yet Hermione has become adept at reading him and she knows when a situation is actually critical or not. Given Draco's inclination for dramatics, it's usually the latter. Even so, she sets aside the report she was reviewing and glances up at him, her breath catching annoyingly, as it always does whenever she sees him. In the years since they've been friends, he's only grown more handsome, and despite the fact that she does not have feelings for him, Hermione can't help but admire his lovely grey eyes and chiselled jawline. Well, she says after half a minute passes with them just staring at each other, what is it? Draco looks at her for a moment longer, as if sizing her up before leaning to rest on his elbows on his knees. I need you to pretend to date me for the duration of the holidays. Hermione laughs, startled. I'm serious, he says. No, you're not, Draco. Yes, he says rather empathetically. I am. And why on earth would you need me to do that? Mother won't stop hounding me about finding the next Malfoy bride and giving her grandchildren. The woman is relentless. That much is true. Hermione has been the unfortunate bystander in several rather tense conversations between Draco and his mother. It's a small price to pay for the delicious pancakes that are always served whenever Narcissa invites her over for brunch. And as much as Hermione can empathise with the uncomfortable situation Draco is in, she hardly wants to be pulled into one of his schemes. You know how she likes to celebrate Christmas at the villa in France? Well, this year she's invited several other families, all who happen to have daughters who are coincidentally unattached. Hence the need for a cover story, a reason why I'm unavailable. You should ask someone else, Hermione says. No one else would be believable. And why would we be any more convincing? Everyone knows how much time we spend together for the apothecary. And you're my closest friend. I don't see how that makes a difference. 
Oh, come on, Granger. Surely a bright witch like yourself can see how friends might easily progress to lovers. Gods, she groans. Don't ever use that term to refer to us again. Please. You're the only person I trust. Wouldn't it be easier just to try and date? Your mother isn't unreasonable. As long as she saw you were making an effort, I think she would be assorted in her concerns for your future. Actually, there is someone. Hermione's heart stutters. and she can't imagine why. This is Draco. She doesn't like him like that. She can't. Despite that fact, they are good friends. They are wholly unsuited for each other as anything more than business partners. For starters, he is expected to marry a purebred witch and produce the next scion of two ancient purebred houses. Besides that, Hermione isn't his type. She doesn't quite know what his type might be, given that he hasn't dated in the time they've been friends. But whatever it is, Hermione is definitely not it. Furthermore, he isn't the kind of wizard she ever imagined herself with. Yes, he's intelligent and driven, which lends itself rather well to intense discussions and debates on a wide variety of topics. He also has become rather kind in the years since the war, working tirelessly to prove himself a better man than his father. And he is incredibly attractive, though anyone could see that. Bollocks! She fancies her best friend. I've been trying to consider all the ways that I might impress her, Draco says, even as Hermione panics over her newfound understanding of feelings towards him. But, he continues, I don't know. I still think I have a long way to go before I can be worthy of her. That's a load of rubbish, she says. Any witch would be lucky to have you, and I won't hear otherwise. I will not allow any slander towards you, even if you're the one doing the slandering. Are we understood? Pushing her own feelings on the matter aside for the time being, Hermione glares at Draco until he nods his agreement. This is hardly the time to process a startling realisation as the one she has made, especially when her best friend needs saving from himself. So, she continues, why didn't you ask this witch out? Her pulse races frantically as he considers her question. She doesn't actually want him to, even though she knows that isn't fair to him. She should only wish the best for Draco. And yet... I'll tell her how I feel, he says, glancing down at his lap. Eventually. I'm just not ready. Will you ever be? Hermione asks, though not unkindly. I'll never be as brave as you, my fearless little lioness. Her blush heats her cheeks, even though she knows he's only joking. Draco has a long list of endearments he uses with her, so it's hardly out of the ordinary for him to refer to her as something other than her given name. Let me help you, she says. Together, I'm sure we can figure out a plan for you to woo her. Fine, but only if you agree to holidays in France. Draco, this isn't a negotiation. Please, I'll do anything. Even balancing the books for the next six months. Done, he says, extending his arm to seal the deal with a handshake. You really are desperate, Hermione says with a laugh. He hates running figures for the apothecary. Oh, love, you have no idea. It's surprisingly easy to play the role of Draco's girlfriend. Hermione has always been a physically affectionate friend, even if Draco normally isn't, which means they're both more than comfortable with the casual touches and embraces that would be expected of a couple. She did expect that his mother might question the conveniently timed relationship, given how astute she knows the older woman to be. 
In truth, the thought of having to lie convincingly to Narcissa had caused Hermione to lose several nights of sleep. As adept at Draco might be at deception, Hermione had never quite managed it as well. However, Narcissa doesn't even blink an eye. The moment Hermione and Draco arrive at the villa, she pulls them into a warm embrace and has one of the paid house elves take their belongings to their room, because of course it makes sense that they would be sharing accommodations since they are in a relationship. As the holiday flies by, Hermione wonders on more than one occasion how good of an idea it really was to play along with the charade Draco proposed. Surely, not even half a year of less responsibility is worth the inevitable heartbreak that awaits her. It's too hard to keep her emotions in check when he rests his palm at the small of her back or strokes his thumb across her hand when he holds it in his. Then there's the sleeping arrangements. Merlin and Morgana, she wishes she hadn't been so stupid to suggest they both use a single bed in the room. At the time, it made sense, given how close they were as friends and how she has slept in the same bed with other friends before. It didn't seem like that big of a deal, all things considered. Hermione of the past had been so naive. She should have foreseen how different it would be with someone she actually fancied and why they decided to sleep how they usually do, with her in an oversized jumper and knickers and Draco entirely naked aside from his boxer briefs, was beyond her. Her attraction to Draco and their state of undress made it far too difficult for her to fully settle down at night and achieve any semblance of rest. By the fifth day of the trip, she'd worked herself up into such an exhausted state that she was able to drift off within minutes of her head hitting the pillow. Unfortunately, she isn't able to sleep for long. Hermione wakes in the middle of the night, feeling far too warm. However, it isn't until she shifts that she realises the source of the heat. Draco is behind her with an arm draped over her stomach. He's still sleeping, the sound of his measured breathing is any indication which makes what happens next slightly less awkward. As she tries to untangle herself from his embrace, Draco tightens his hold on her. As if that weren't enough, he adjusts his hips in such a way that Hermione has little choice but to acknowledge his sizeable erection. When he repeats the same movement, warm arousal spreads through her. She knows it's wrong to be so turned on when Draco is clearly unconscious and unaware of what he's doing, but she can't help it. She should wake him up. That would be the right thing to do. Yet before she can try to extract herself from his hold, his hand curls up to her hip and begins to thrust against her in earnest. Mortification floods her system as Hermione finally understands the gravity of the situation. This isn't just a case of nighttime arousal, an unintentional reaction that his body is having to the fluctuation of hormones that happens during sleep. No, he's having a dream about sex probably with whatever which he fancies. This knowledge only makes Hermione feel worse as the ache in her cunt builds with every shift of his hips. She's frozen, unable to move, even though she knows it's unethical and immoral for her to allow this to continue. Then her world, as she knows it, comes to an end. Draco moans a name, and if she thought she might have heard him wrong, he says it again. Hermione... It almost sounds like a plea. Draco is dreaming of her. Yet before she can fully wrap her mind around this realisation, he wakes. She can feel him startle, even though she can't see him and his embarrassment is palpable as he begins to pull away. He seems to think that she's still sleeping, and though it might be kinder to allow him this fallacy, Hermione turns and grabs his wrist before he can escape. It's okay, she says. 
Let me help you. Draco merely gapes at her. Can I touch you? She says, her hand hovering above his briefs. Yes, he says, voice still hoarse from sleep. The sound he makes when she closes her fingers around his erection is the sweetest music Hermione has ever heard. Crawling above him, she rests her bum against his thighs as she continues to trace her fingers over his erection. What do you need? She asks quietly. Any sudden movement might spook him, and Hermione is too intoxicated on the way he looks at her to allow this moment to end prematurely. I want you, he admits, and her heart soars. She tugs at his waistband to pull it below his bollocks, and although she wants to admire his cock, Hermione leans forward until her cunt covers just above him. Like this, she says. Please, let me feel you. It's all the encouragement she needs. With one hand resting on his chest, she pulls her knickers to the side and notches the head of his cock against her cunt. His size makes a stretch a bit uncomfortable, but the slick that has begun to leak from her makes it easier. Draco merely watches in rapture as she works him further and further inside her. They groan in unison when she finally manages to fit him all, and as his hands come to her hips, Hermione begins to move. A sigh escapes her as the tension that has built finally has an outlet for release. Sex with Draco is indescribable. Although she's known pleasure and satisfaction before, nothing she has ever experienced compares to how good it is with him. The fire races through her veins as she undulates her hips, rocking against him and revelling in the way he feels to be filled by him. She guides one of his hands to her clitoris, slotting his thumb against the sensitive nerves and showing him how she likes to be touched doesn't take long for Draco to learn, and it takes even less time for Hermione to fall apart from his ministrations. Her orgasm crashes over like a tidal wave, every cell in her body alight with pure euphoria. She collapses forward, hands on either side of his head, and for the first time, she kisses him. Although they've shared a few chase pecks over the course of the trip for purposes of their cover, it would have been uncouth to snog Draco in front of his mother and friends of the family. Now, Hermione regrets not having done so sooner. As she captures his lips with hers, she wonders whether kissing Draco might even be better than fucking him. It sounds absurd, even in her own mind, yet the mere act of slotting their lips together is sheer bliss, and a groan rumbles through his chest as he comes, Hermione knows. She would do anything to be able to kiss him every day for the rest of her life. Although Hermione had half expected to find herself alone in the morning after, she had woken to Draco trailing his fingers along her spine, and when she tilted her face forward, he smiled. However, just as he opened his mouth to speak, the door to their room had burst open as Teddy rushed in, searching for his favourite cousin. Given that Teddy and Andromeda were delaying their arrival to France, the younger boy was all the more eager to see Draco. And despite her anxiety at postponing a rather crucial conversation, Hermione didn't mind the added company. She knew how much Teddy adored Draco, and the joy it brought her to watch them together was more than worth the delay. It was easy to distract herself from the uncertainty of her future with Draco, as Teddy demanded all their attention and energy. When it was time for Teddy to go to bed, he insisted that Draco read him bedtime stories. Although Hermione is ready for sleep as well, the solitude does little to soothe her nerves. She's pacing by the time Draco returns to the room, 
convinced that what occurred between them was an unlucky fluke. While he may have called her name, it doesn't mean she's the witch he wants. His desire for her last night could have been a byproduct of the dream, a need that was fulfilled in the moment without any thought of a future between them. Her stomach is twisted in knots, her curls a wild mess from all the time she ran her fingers through her hair. Hey, Draco says, stopping in front of her. What's wrong? About last night. Immediately she can see his defences rising. Hermione has known him long enough to be able to recognise the look he gets when he's occluding, even though he rarely does it around her. The success of their business is built on mutual trust and respect, which means that Draco shouldn't, and doesn't, ever have to hide from her. So to see him fall back on his primary means of protecting himself hurts her to the core, even as he asks, what about it? Well, we should probably talk about it. Hermione feels like she's going to be sick, but she needs to be brave, if not for herself, then for him. Draco has been hurt so many times before by people he cared about, and she won't allow her own fears of rejection to keep them from one another. It will only bode poorly for their relationship and friendship and partnership. Because even if it was just a one-off, they can't just ignore what happened. Only if you want to, Draco says, the apprehension shining in his eyes for a brief moment before the walls are firmly back in place. Doesn't matter to me either way. His indifference stings, even though she knows he doesn't really mean it. Still, Hermione presses on. Um, am I the witch you fancy? The one you alluded to before? There's no use in being indirect, despite how uncomfortable her bluntness makes Draco. It's, it's alright if I'm not, she continues. It's just, well, you called out for me last night, and I mean, what happened after you woke up? Plus, this morning I thought she isn't making any sense, but at least her efforts are better than Draco's silence. Anyway, it's it's all right if I'm not, but I figured it would be best to lay all our cards out. If it was just a means for release, then it would hurt. But I would rather know now than allow myself to become more attached. Hermione winces, seeing how the odds are small that Draco misses the fact that she said any more attached. Obviously, it implies she's already attached, to which she didn't exactly want to reveal yet. And gods, why is he still just staring at her? I'm, um... Going to need you to say something now, Draco. Still, he just looks at her. Well then, she says, turning away so he won't see the tears in her eyes. Message received. Please extend my apologies to your mother for my early departure and don't worry about any awkwardness back in London. We can communicate via owl. Wait. No, I've waited long enough. Already her mind is racing at the options for selling her half of the business. It may seem drastic, but Hermione knows now that she can't just stand by and be happy for Draco as he marries the witch of his dreams, whoever that may be. She can easily find work elsewhere. While she may not enjoy it as much as owning and operating her own apothecary, it'll be worth it if she doesn't have to be reminded every day of how much of an idiot she was to fall for her best friend. Before she can take more than two steps, Draco wraps his arms around her as he presses his chest to her back and buries his face in her hair. I'm sorry, Hermione. I'm so sorry. It's you. Of course, of course, it's you. There hasn't been any other witch than you for as long as I can remember. And you deserve more than a coward like me. But when you offered last night, I was too selfish to refuse. She jinxes him before he can continue. It's hardly more than a slight sting, but it's enough of a shock to make him yelp and stumble backwards and land flat on his bum.
I warned you, she said. No more talking badly about yourself. Fuck, I know, it's just that she cast another minor jinx, looming over him in the most threatening way she could manage. Movement below his waist catches her attention. When she glances down, she can't help but laugh. Are you hard? she asks. I just think it's sexy when you're mean. Oh my gods, you're a masochist. Only when you're the one on the other end of the wand. Hermione falls to her knees and crawls over him to sit on his lap. What am I ever going to do with you? Whatever you want, I'm at your mercy. She very nearly kisses him before pulling away, a wicked grin spreading across her face at the groan of protest he makes. I want you to put your tongue to good use, she murmurs, burying her hands in his hair and giving his soft blonde locks a targ hug. Make me come. She emphasises her demand with the roll of her hips. And then maybe, if you can be good for me, I'll fuck you. Would you like that? Yes, he groans. Even if I wanted to fuck your perfect arse. Anything you want, he says. She won't peg him tonight, but Hermione still rewards his ready compliance with a kiss. Then she stands and begins to remove their clothes piece by piece as she walks backwards towards the bed. Draco eagerly follows, a smile on his face that matches her own. He is the piece of her heart that Hermione did not know was missing, the other half of her soul that she has unknowingly longed for. And as they fall to the mattress together, their magic singing as they once more come together, all is finally right in the universe. Thank you for listening to From the Start, My Sweetest Sorrows, Kachiko, a Dramini fanfiction. Thank mm-hmm. you.